0: When anyone makes you a promise, you always have different feelings based on who the person is who makes the promise. Some of you have friends who, when they say they're going to show up to your place at 7 o'clock, you know what that really means, they're going to show up more like 7.30, maybe 8, maybe not even at all. Some of you have coworkers who you consider to be incompetent. When they say that they're going to finish a task, you're thinking in the back of your head, I'll believe it when I see it. And some of you have friends who when they say they're going to be someplace, they show up and they will be there and you, have, you don't have a doubt in your mind. You have coworkers that you work with who when they say they're going to get something done, they will. And they've never failed you before and you know that they won't. See, the, pro, the person who makes the promise is just as important as the promise that is made. When we consider God, and who he is, and how he has never not kept the promise to us. And when he makes promises to us, how, should we, how confident should we be in his promises? How confident are we in his promises? Today we see a group of 276 men on a, on a boat out in the middle of the sea. And when they were out there, a huge storm came up called the Nor'easter, and they didn't think that they were going to survive. They didn't think they would make it out of there. And so what did they do when they had a difficulty like this in their life? Well, they looked at their options. We do the same things so When we have difficulties in life, we consider, okay, what are my options that I have? And so on day one, this is what they did. It says that they passed ropes under the ship simply to hold it together from the wind and the waves. That's how bad of a of a storm this was, but that was just the first day. Day two says that they took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. You have to be pretty desperate to throw all of your cargo overboard. That was the entire reason why you left in the first place, right? Then on the third day of the storm, it says they threw the ship's tackle overboard. That includes all the equipment, all the rigging, anything that they could get their hands on. They threw it overboard as a last-ditch effort, but that was their last-ditch effort. They ran out of options. Now, here in New York, we'll get hit with nor'easters every once in a while, right? And when those hit us, how long do they last? Uh, Maybe at most a few days, something like that. It'll rain, and it will snow. And where are you usually when those storms hit? In the safety and comfort of your home, right? So it's hard to compare this to, this because during Nor'easter, I've never been out in the ocean. You can imagine how horrible it was that after three days, these men were tired, they were stressed out, and it even goes on to say this in the next verse. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Hopelessness. Complete and utter hopelessness. They had run out of options completely. They didn't know what else to do, and so they were found in a state of complete hopelessness, as they call it here. Have any of you ever gotten to that point before? Have any of you ever gotten to the point of hopelessness, where you have completely run out of options? Now, maybe you didn't hit a state of hopelessness for your own life, but maybe a specific problem came into your life where you thought you have run out of options and you didn't know what to do. You didn't know how, where to go from there and you thought that the situation was completely hopeless. And hopelessness can look like a lot of different things. There can be hopeless in a person's life where they're then contemplating suicide. There can be hopelessness for a person's dreams where they realize that the dreams that they had for their life, they'll never be realized. It's hopeless. There can be hopelessness for a relationship issue, maybe with a a family member or a friend, where you say, it's hopeless, we're never going to reconcile the relationship that we once had. There can be hopelessness with a problem that you face at work, where you think this problem's never going to go away, and we are out of options. Hopelessness can look like uh, many different things. But hopelessness, in general, is is the greatest lie that we can believe. It it made sense that the men aboard this ship were left hopeless. They did not believe in the true God. They really had run out of options. From their perspective, they didn't realize that there was an all-powerful God, an all-loving God who was even watching over them and that boat in the middle of the sea. And so it makes sense that they were hopeless. It makes sense that they, from their perspective, they had run out of options because from their perspective, when a problem came up and they couldn't solve it, there was nothing else that they could do because they were in charge of the problems that came up in their life. And if they couldn't solve it, nobody could. They were their last option. They didn't realize that an all-powerful God existed. They didn't realize that an all-loving God existed who could be so involved in a person's life and know every last detail of their life. They didn't know that there could be such a powerful and loving God who would even be watching over those sailors on that ship. It makes sense that they were left feeling hopeless. But what's our excuse? What's our excuse when we feel hopeless in certain situations? And maybe you wouldn't even call it hopelessness. Maybe you would just call it... Immersed in frustration or anxiety or stress because of a specific problem that you're going through in life. What's our excuse? See, we know and believe that there is an all-powerful God, a creator of this world who just, by speaking some words, created this world in six short days. We believe that there is an all-powerful God and a loving God who, even before the creation of the world, knew us by name and loved us so greatly that he's been moving around world leaders, guiding vital decisions in this world, and putting you at the specific place in the world today, in this timeline of history today, so you could believe, so you could be here today. That's how much he loves you. So how is it possible that we can at times, knowing how loving he is, knowing how powerful he is, knowing the promises that he puts in front of us, how can we feel at times hopeless or frustrated or stressed or filled with anxiety thinking that we've run out of options and we don't know what else to do? Imagine being put on a balance beam and you are told that as they put a blindfold on you, you are told that you are 100 feet up in the air. Could you imagine how you would walk across that balance beam thinking that it was 100 feet up in the air? You would walk very slowly, very cautiously. There would be sweat dripping down your face. Your heart would be beating, right? But the problem is you've believed a lie because the balance beam was only three inches off the ground. And because you believed a lie, you are feeling an unnecessary amount of stress and anxiety. Because you believed a lie, our sinful nature lies to us every day, convincing us that what we see is more powerful than what God has promised us. And our feelings go more towards, at times, what we see rather than what God has promised us. And so we are left believing a lie. And that lie affects us with anxiety, and stress, and even to the point of hopelessness at times. But what would happen if our feelings were triggered more by God's promises than by what we see? What would that look like? What would happen if God's promises affected us more than the problems that we see in our life and in this world? What would that look like? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like a person standing up among a group of sailors, 276 sailors in the middle of a horrible storm where everybody was feeling hopeless, stands up and the Apostle Paul says this, the complete opposite of what everybody else is feeling. He says to them, cheer up. Cheer up. An angel came to me last night and told me that I am going to make it to Rome and that I am going to be able to testify to God's name there in Rome in front of Caesar. He told me that, and he also told me and promised me that each and every one of you are going to survive. Cheer up, he said. And he finishes his speech as he stands up in front of these 276 people By saying this, this is in verse 25 of our lesson in Acts. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. You see, there are two completely opposite and contradictory feelings based upon what you believe. Do you believe in what you see, or do you believe in what God has promised you? And depending on what you believe, you are left with two completely different feelings. Hopelessness or hopefulness? Sadness or joy? Fear or confidence? Do we believe in what we see or what God promises us? What are the promises that we cling to? The first and greatest promise that we cling to is the fact that our Savior did come into this world. Our God fulfilled the promise of sending his son into this world, and he did send him in this world. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. He promises us that each and every one of our sins are taken away. And understand the opposite and contradictory statements of whether you believe in that or not, and all those promises that we find in Scripture. You are either left with guilt because of your sin, or you are left with confidence that each and every one of your sins are taken away regardless of how many people remind you of your sins. You are left with, instead of fear and hopelessness, you're left knowing that your God has you in the palm of his hand so you never have to worry. You are left, instead of wondering whether or not you're going to go to heaven or hell or if there is even an afterlife, you are left with confidence that you will be in heaven someday because of what Christ has done for you. And you don't even have to fear death anymore. You are left when you are feeling alone and sad that your God has been with you ever since the day you were born and even before that. He's never left you. You are left knowing that even though at times we don't know the solution to a problem that we face, our God does. And so we don't have to worry. Those feelings of worry and stress anxiety and hopelessness are completely unnecessary. They really are. Because of the promises that our God makes. We don't know how many of the 276 people aboard this ship ended up believing in the true God. But but it does sound like at the start, these, these people did not believe in the true God. Just from the generic way that The Apostle Paul talks about the Lord. He talks simply just saying the Lord. He didn't mention anything more than that. And so you have to wonder if they believed in any God. They probably didn't believe in the true God. And you have to wonder when when the Apostle Paul stood up and made this great speech about saying, cheer up, you know, an angel came to me last night and told me that we're all going to be saved. How many of those soldiers rolled their eyes? How many of those sailors rolled their eyes at the thought? Come on. But later on, when you have time, read through the next couple of chapters. This storm goes on for 14 days. They're out at sea. And even when they landed on an island, they still were faced with difficulties. You can just see how the encouragement of these men grew and grew and grew. And they started to trust more in Paul's God, our God, than in what circumstances they could see in their life at that time. And it changed them. Feelings of hopelessness to feelings of encouragement and confidence in this is God that Paul just introduced them to. You and I um, have an incredible God in our life, who has never left us and who never will, and we find our confidence in Him. And for that reason, we never we know how unnecessary the fear that we face, the, the anxiety, the stress that we face really is because of him. One of the questions that, that usually comes up when we talk about this issue of, of suffering in our life, and I think it's a question that we need to address here, is why? Why did God even send a storm to Paul and this entire crew? I mean, he, God had already promised Paul that he was going to make it to Rome and he was going to testify in front of Caesar. So why add this storm in here? Why bother? And we have similar questions where we ask the question, you know, God, why did you allow this suffering in my life right now and in this way? And we know the answer. You guys learned the answer in Bible study. We say, well, and we will even quote a verse. We'll say Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And we say, well, suffering comes into our life, and God can use that for our good. So God has a big plan. It's all working out for our good. That's what we say. But when suffering comes into our own life, we have another question, a follow-up question. Do you know what it is? How? How is this going to work out for my good? How is this death in my family, how is this sickness that I'm dealing with, how are these financial problems going to possibly work out for my good? And to that answer, God is silent. And do you know why? Because he wants you to trust his promises, and not in what you see. To trust that even in the midst of this suffering, of these difficulties, God still has us in the palm of his hand. And we really don't have to worry. The Apostle Paul thought that he was waiting to get to Rome so that he could testify to the true God in front of Caesar what an opportunity to preach the gospel. Right? He had no idea that his trip there was going to be an opportunity to be able to testify to those 276 men on board this ship. But it just shows God's love. God loved even those 276 men enough to allow this storm and this suffering to happen. There's going to be times in your life when you're placed in difficult situations as well. And you are going to be the one who has a very different attitude. And we're talking about more than just having a positive attitude in difficult times. The effect that you're going to have around the people around you is that you know that you never run out of options, not when there is a God as loving and as powerful as what you have. And you're going to be able to look just like Paul, who's able to testify to the power of of a promise, the power of God's promises for you in your life every day so that you really, truly have never reason to worry, never have a reason to worry or to be stressed out because your God always provides other options and always is working these things out for your good. Amen.